Good morning. How are you this morning? I hope you have your Bibles or a way to reference God's Word because we're going to be in God's Word today if that's okay with you. I think it's more important that you hear what God has to say and that what I have to say. Good morning, Jim Cohn. How you doing, man? Good to see you today. Jim, I am so glad that your daughter did not get her looks nor her voice from you. That's all I have to say. That's my encouraging word for the day. No, we are blessed with great musicians, aren't we, that love Jesus and that have a, a, not only incredible voices, but their hearts are bigger than their voices. And for that, as a pastor that's been in ministry for many, many years, I am for, forever grateful. There are a lot of people that have great voices, Jim, but um, not all of them have a heart for Jesus. And I am blessed because not only do we have people that have great voices that have um, just incredible voices, but they have big hearts for Jesus, and that is huge. Listen, we're in the middle of, it's almost like we did a flip this morning the, with the early service and the, and the second service. And so uh, I guess everybody came early so that they could get prepared for the Super Bowl, but that's not till later, Elliot, so I don't really understand that. But, uh, but that's okay. How many of you experienced the thunder in the, in the storm last night? <laughs> I'm like, well, I think Jesus has got something he wants to say. Boom! You know, and it's like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and boom! And, and so, uh, but, but anyway, um, no, it was, it was good. We need the rain, and I'm very thankful for the rain. And uh, anyway, listen, uh, we're in the middle of, of Love Week. We started Love Week. I mentioned it last week uh, because of the coronavirus and everything. We've not had the chance to plan as we usually do as a community, but we met for the first time last week talked about Love Week. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in and around our community. Um, there was a love run yesterday that took place. Some of our people not only placed, but some of them won. We're very thankful for that. And, uh, but there's going to be things that are happening throughout our community over and throughout this week, whether it's over the library, whether it's things that we're doing, uh, things that the school is doing. There's just lots of stuff that's happening all over. And so our, our part is how how can we love people this week and not just think about ourselves, but how can we go out of our way to make a difference in the lives of others around us? That's really what Love Week is all about. And it's not just for us as churches, but businesses, individuals, families. Um, we, we just partner together, whether it's civic groups, we get together and we just we try to spread the love during this week. But I mean, we should be doing that all year round, shouldn't we, as Christ followers? And so this shouldn't be out of the norm for us. I want to, um, Allison had sent some information out to children and their parents so that they could participate and how to participate tomorrow. I'll let you know we, our offices will be closed. We will be out of the office for staff time tomorrow. We'll be in Orlando spending some time together. Um, and uh, so you can pray for us. So if you try to get in touch with us tomorrow, I just want you to know that our offices will be closed and we'll be in Orlando spending some time together. Um, but... Uh, but we have been in the, in the middle of this, this series uh, called Follow Me, and Love Week is one of those ways that we can demonstrate our, our love towards other people. But if you've been here and you've been paying attention, one of the things that you've probably recognized is it wasn't the, the invitation to extend to, that was extended to follow Jesus wasn't to people that had it all together, but it was to people like us in this room. As I look around, there are a lot of us in this room that have lots of problems. We struggle. And so as a result of that, it wasn't the, the healthy people that got the invitation. It was the sick people, those of us that are sinners. And the last time that I looked, 
sin, our sin, is a prerequisite for us receiving that invitation, Don, to, to follow Jesus. And so if you're a sinner like I am, man, you're in, I guess, you know, you're, you're good to go because Jesus is going to offer that, that, he's going to extend that invitation to you. It's just whether or not you're willing to receive that. But in following Christ, I want you to know this, that I've learned over the years that just because we make a decision to follow Christ, Steve, doesn't mean that life is going to be easy from there on out. But there are going to be struggles and there's going to be times that we wrestle with our faith and who Jesus is. But if you go back and look at some of the stories that we've been reading and you read specifically inside of the New Testament, you read that there are other people just like us that wrestled with their faith and they walked with Jesus personally. Yet they wrestled. They wrestled. There were times that they became discouraged, and there were times that they, they doubted. There were questions. And just like us, I, I don't want this to be a, a time that we just bypass, but I wanted to see that the people in the Old Testament or in the New Testament that walked with Jesus, then they even got discouraged. But so when those times may come in your life, you don't have to be discouraged or want to give up, but you can continue to press in and hold on to what the scripture has to say. That the goal isn't for us just to become good religious people, but it's for us to become God's people, recognizing that in all things that God is with us and that in those times that we follow him, regardless of where we might be, that we can have faith and confidence that God is, is with us. That those times of questioning, they don't have to be overshadowed with fear um, or discouragement, but there can be a confidence that comes by knowing Jesus I've shared this story several times, and I share it again because I think it's so applicable for us today. I remember when Abby was young and when she used to be afraid of the dark. And how many of you guys used to be afraid of the dark? Yeah, afraid of the dark. And, I mean, I think that's a normal thing. I mean, so as a child, we would hear her, and, and we would go into the room, and when I would go in, she'd say, Daddy, I'm, I'm afraid. I'd say, Baby, what are you afraid of? I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of the booger man. And I'm like, well, there is no booger. He's in the closet. So I would go to the closet, and I would look and open up the door, and I would say, Baby, see, there's no booger man in the closet. He's under the bed. He's under the bed. So I, would get, I, I was younger then. I could get down on my, on my knees, and I would peek up under the bed, and I'd lean up, and I'd say, Baby, there's no booger man under the bed. And she would say, I'm still afraid, Daddy. And I would get up in the in the bed with her, and I taught her a verse, Psalms 56.3, that says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And I would have her repeat it over and over and over again, and she would say, she would eventually say, but I'm, I'm still afraid, Daddy. And I would just lay there with her, and after a period of time, she would fall asleep. But what I learned, Josh, is that the words that I taught her, it wasn't the words that I taught her that brought the peace and comfort that she needed, but it was the presence of her daddy. And as you walk with the Lord and as you, as you get to know him over the, over the tenure of time, the one, of things, one of the things that we learn is that, and we talked about this not just a few weeks ago, you know, one of the greatest benefits of following Jesus isn't that life goes better. It's not just, it's not just heaven after, after we die. But one of the greatest benefits that we have to following Jesus is a sense of peace that comes, that we don't have to be afraid in those times. I don't know about you, but people just seem to be on edge these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I mean, people seem to be on edge. I mean, people are, I mean, they watch, spend too much time on the news. You know, I don't, I, I just don't, I mean, if you want your life to be a little bit less stress-free, just spend time, spend less time on social media and watching TV and you'll be a little bit better off, I promise you. 
had somebody telling me that this week. You know, man, in my life, I was all stressed out, and I, and I come to identify, they said, that so much of my stress was coming about what I was seeing and hearing and reading on news. <laughs> and they said, so much of that stress is now gone that I'm not paying attention to that, but I'm spending more time in God's Word. Well, I say all that to, to take you to this place. I want to tell you a little bit about Paul. Saul, as you may know him, let me tell you where I'm going today. If you want to go ahead and turn to John chapter 13, you can turn there because I'm going to be there in just a little bit. And then I'm going to move over um, a little bit further to the book of Colossians. And then that's where we're going to set up and we're going to finish our time out today. But if I were to tell you about Saul, Saul of Tarsus was his name. Saul was a, uh, was a, was a human being that did not like Christians very much at all. As a matter of fact, he detest, he, he was despised. He was... Uh, what do you call it? He, he detested them. Is that a good word? He didn't like them. As a matter of fact, he wanted to not only arrest them, persecute them, but he wanted to kill them. And there came a time that we find um, in, in the book of Acts where, Acts chapter 9, I believe, where, where he went to, Saul went to the high priest and asked for permission to go to Damascus to arrest those Christians, those Christ followers, those who had accepted the the, uh, the uh, Christ and wanted to follow him. Um, and, and he went there specifically so that he could bring them back to Jerusalem, um, having arrested them so that they could be persecuted. And he was given permission. And when he was on the way, if you know the story, it was on the way to Damascus that Paul or Saul um, had an encounter with the, with the risen Savior. And it was there that Paul's life was changed. And if you know anything about walking with Jesus, you know that once you encounter Jesus, there's change that takes place. Man, there's an alteration of your DNA. If you're the same person um, that you were prior to, to a decision to follow Jesus, you need to go back and check yourself, as a friend of mine would say. Because I promise you that when you come face to face with Jesus, you are different. And we see that in Paul's life. Um, and everything that Paul knew and everything that he understood about Jesus didn't just come from that, that one encounter, but it came from his time that he spent with the disciples and those that knew Jesus, those that, that walked with Jesus. And what Paul did is he took what he learned and he did his best job to communicate what he had learned um, so that he could communicate with those Gentile believers that he would come in contact with. The Gentiles were those that weren't raised from a Jewish background, and some of the things that were being taught, it was difficult for them to understand because they didn't have the Jewish religious past as the others did. And so what Paul did is he took those things that were the teachings of Jesus and those things that he had learned, and he simplified it down so that they, the Gentiles that he would preach to could better understand um, what was being said. And he takes something that Jesus says near the end of his ministry and um, it's, a, it's a statement, and this is a statement that, that Jesus made, and, he, and he's got his disciples together, and it's, it's practical as it relates to our Christian living. And Paul, Paul takes what Jesus said, and he, he's going to eventually, he's going to summarize it. And I want to share what Jesus had to say because it sort of kicks us off to where we're going to end up today because it's important, important for us to understand of really what it looks like. What are some marks of a follower of Christ, of someone who professes to be a Christ follower, what are some, some things that it looks like? And look at what Jesus said in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34. These are the words of Jesus himself. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Remember where Jesus is at. He's already taught them all these things, and, and, and they know all these, these, these religious things, and they know the commandments. But here's Jesus now, the end of his life. He's summarizing it. He's bringing it all together, and he says, 
I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Let me, let me read that for you one more time because it's really important and sets the foundation of where we're going to be at today. So here's Jesus speaking with his disciples and he says, so I'm, now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now up front, that sounds pretty easy, right, Alex? I mean, love each other, not that big a deal. I think we got that. And um, Jesus was saying, look, that we are supposed to love one another, but not the way that you're used to loving one another, but I want you to love other people the way that I love you. See, it's easy for us to love people that love us back. I mean, it's easy for us to love people that do what we want them to do. It's easy for us to love people that love us first. But what about when it's not convenient, when it's not popular? What about in those moments in time when when we're not just loved, but we're rejected? How are we supposed to respond? And Jesus said, look, just don't love them the way that you're used to loving them, but I want you to love them as I have loved you. Jesus said, look, I I want you to love differently. I want you to love the way that I've loved you. And I I want you to love the way that you've seen me love others, like the woman at the well or the person that came in that had this issue or the person that was demon-possessed. What I want you to do is I want you to learn to love people and engage people that I, the same way that you've seen me. Zacchaeus, Matthew, you, you know what it's like. See, you saw, you saw, you were, you were there, you were a part of that. See, Matthew, I want you to love people the way that I loved you because you know what it's like to be in love, don't you, don't you, Matthew? See, Matthew, you know what it's like to be rejected. But when I saw you that day, even though the disciples that were with me didn't want anything to do with you, I wanted to show them that they should love, they should love. And that day, I just didn't talk to you while you were there at the tax collector's booth, but I invited you to come follow me. What I was saying to you is that, Matthew, I wanted to spend time with you. I wanted to engage you, not just in a conversation, but I wanted to come to know you, and I wanted you to know me. And Jesus would say, Matthew, what I want from you is I want you to love others like I have loved you. And what Jesus said next is really important. Because if you've ever wondered what a person who claims to be a follower of Christ should look like, Jesus tells us. And I promise you this is going to be convicting today. Because there are some times that we don't treat people the way we should treat them. Sometimes we don't love people the way that we should love them. Sometimes we don't embrace people in those times that we should embrace them. And this is what Jesus went on to say, that your love, the way that you're going to love your love for one another, for one another, who one another may ever may be, for your love for one another is going to prove to the world that you are my disciple. See, the way that you love people is going to prove to the world that you are my disciple. That word disciple means follower. And Jesus says the way that you love others Um, is going to connect you to me. It's going to show that you are a follower of me. It will be seen in how we treat other people. And the way that you love others is going to be a way of determining whose you are and whether or not you're really my disciple. Our love for others is going to stand as an unmistakable mark of ownership, of authority, and of connection. And you might say, well, that's, that's, that's pretty easy. That's really not that that big of a deal, um, and it may, may, may be until the boss treats you unfairly or until the coworker is a jerk or somebody in your family hurts you or wrongs you, and then what are you going to do with, with that? Sometimes we, we want a pass or we want an exception, and Jesus says, no, no, 
Now, see, there are no exceptions to this rule. That what I want you to do is I want you to love people the way that I have loved you. That our love will be a reflection and prove to the world whose you are. That if you were to ask me a legitimate way to determine whether or not a person is my disciple, you won't, you'll see it in how they treat others, not how many times they walk through a door, not how many times they've, or verses they've memorized, or not how much they give, but how they love. Yet how many people have been mistreated in the name of Jesus? All for the name of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about how Jesus feels when those people that he died and loved, when they're mistreated by people that say they love him? I mean, have you ever thought about what Jesus feels or what he thinks about when we reject, those of us that are followers of Christ, reject, reject and mistreat the people that he willingly chose to die for? But Jesus said, look, the defining mark in a Christ follower's life and someone who is following me will be how we love. Not giving them what they deserve, but giving them what they don't deserve because that's how I loved. Well, about 20 years later, going back to the story with, with Paul, it was about 20 years later that Paul himself would take these words that Jesus would give and he would summarize. And uh, Paul, in trying to connect to people that, were, that didn't know, and, and, he, and remember, he was on these missionary journeys and he would write all these these letters back to not only churches but to individuals that he had met. But here's Paul, here's Paul writing back, and he would take this little thought of, of Jesus and love one another, and he would begin to expand on what Jesus would say, and he would begin to paint a bigger picture of what it looked like to live in community with one another, you know, how we should treat other people in, in light of, of life. You know, how, how does it look to treat one another and to, so that we resemble Christ's likeness? And he gives us an example to, to, to sort of give you a, a summary of a few things that Paul said in some of his letters. Let me just tell you what he said to the church at Rome as he wrote there. He said that our lives are to be controlled by the Spirit and that we are to be a living sacrifice, not conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that our love for others is to be genuine. We should be affectionate, that we should even bless those who persecute us. To the church at Corinth, he reemphasized this, this attitude of care and love for one another that it's, we're supposed to be selfless, and that our, even though there's faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is what? It's love. To the church at Galatia, I mean, we see where Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit and that our lives as Christ followers are supposed to be representative of, of a life in Christ, being filled by the Holy Spirit, producing these fruit that are representative, they are, that we seek to restore those who've, been fallen, who've fallen into sin, and we're to do it gently, and we are to be good to everyone. To the church at Ephesus, it was don't live in the bitterness like those who, who are, are pagans. Don't live that way. Don't be angry with everyone. But we're to live in the light of the Lord. And we are to be a light unto the world. And then we get to the church at Colossae. And it was no different. The same way Jesus would give a pattern to those that were believers to give them a picture of what it looked like to follow Jesus and to represent Jesus to the world in which we live and with that being said, I want us to read this today because I think it's really important because we're going to walk out of here today knowing without a shadow of a doubt what a Christ follower should look like, what our life should represent, and marks that identify us as a Christ follower. So in Colossians chapter 3, if you'll take your word, the Bible, 
God's word. Let's read what Paul wrote during that time, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and following. And this is what the word says. Man, don't you love God's word? Man, I, my prayer for you is that the time that you would spend in God's word would not just be the time that you're here at church on a Sunday morning, but you would engage God's word on a daily basis. Man, that, that you would be in a small group or you would be in a Bible study, spending time listening, reading God's word so that you could absorb it and know what God was saying. And look at here what Paul would write to the believers there at Colossae. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must do what? What did he say? Clothe. Yes, clothe. Put on. You must clothe yourselves. Remember, he's writing to believers, not non-believers. He's not talking about religious people, but people that said that they were followers of Christ. And in his description, Paul's going to give us a clear picture of what it looks like to follow Christ, to live for Christ as it relates to one another. And look at what he goes on to say that we're to put on on ourselves or to clothe ourselves in. And he doesn't, the one thing I like about Paul is he doesn't leave a lot up for our, 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 just for us to, our minds to wonder. But he gives us a list. Paul's really good about giving lists of things. I mean, how many of you wives are good about giving your husband a list? How many of you husbands are good about giving your wives a list? Yeah. I have a wife that loves to give a list. I mean, if she needs me to get something done, what she does, she gives me a list. And I'll go through that list and I'll check my stuff off. And I'll do it, try to do it as fast as I can because I don't want it to be hanging over me. So... But look at this list that Paul gives us. He said, here's a list, a way that we should look, the things that we should clothe ourselves in as Christ followers. Look at what he says, number one, tenderhearted mercy. That's interesting. The NIV uses the word compassion. The Greek word is associated with uh, um, this, <laughs> I'm just going to say it, your guts. That's what it's associated with, your entrails, your bowels that there's a compassion that you have. You know, when you walk through times of difficulty, there's a compassion that comes as a result of walking through difficulty. I've learned that. I've learned, John, that, listen, there's some things that I feel and I deep down in my heart because I've walked there before. And if you've ever walked through times of difficulty, you know that you don't walk through those things just so that you can walk through them. But what Paul says in 2 Corinthians is we walk through those times and receive the compassion of God so that we can in turn pass that on to others. I mean, you want to talk about a person with a story that can share? Talk with a person that can identify with what you've walked through. How important it is for us to be able to have, to be tenderhearted and merciful towards other people. I mean, how many times have I walked in a room because of something that I've experienced in my life and I've been able to identify I mean, maybe it's dealing with infertility. Maybe it's going through a, a tragic accident as a child. Maybe it's having a sister who had Down syndrome. Maybe it's losing a sibling. Maybe, maybe it's whatever it may be. And just think of all the opportunities. Maybe it's walking through a time of depression that I had never walked through. But in that time of depression, learning what it was like to walk through a time of darkness and not know which way to turn. But when you've walked through those things, it's amazing that when we allow the Holy Spirit, Paul says, look, man, I want you to be tenderhearted and compassionate. I want you to be merciful towards others. That you've got a story to share, but so many times we are fearful to share those stories. But God can take that stuff that we've walked through that have been so difficult, and he can use it down the line for his glory, not for your glory. 
But there are people around us that are walking through tragedy and difficulty, and they just don't have anybody to talk through. And Paul's saying, look, you need to have this attitude of clothing yourself with tenderhearted and mercy, compassion, because there are people that need you. I mean, instead of walking in and beating somebody to death because of their stupidity or saying, listen, if you would just have listened to me, Paul said, no, demonstrate compassion. Show tenderhearted mercy because it's a mark that reflects a follower of Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? Amen. Tenderhearted mercy, compassion. It's a mark of a Christ follower. Look at what he adds. Kindness. You may know what kindness is, but you probably don't know how to, how to define kindness, but you know it when you see it. I mean, it's, it's, it's an attitude that somebody needs something done and you just do it. There was a picture, I don't know if they put it on the slide or not, with the elephant that holds the, you know, the, the umbrella over, and uh, that's what you do. I mean, you notice that there's something that needs to be done, and you're kind towards doing that. People go way out of their way to demonstrate kindness. You know, it's amazing because the world doesn't know Christians as being kind people. I mean, I, I was in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a situation this past week where I was dealing with somebody, and, and uh, they said to me these words, and they didn't know what I did as far as I know. They didn't know that I was a pastor. But their comment to me was, thank you for being kind. And I said, why wouldn't I be kind? And they said, most people are not kind. And I thought to myself, how many people have walked into that office that have been professing believers yet have not demonstrated kindness. Now, let me just come off my high horse for a second because I'm not always kind. Ask my kids. Ask my wife. Sometimes I'm not kind to the people that I should be most kind to. But here it is that Paul said, look, kindness is a reflection of the Father. It's one of those things that mark us, identifies us of being a Christ follower. Another identifying mark is that of humility. Humility can be viewed as an accurate picture of ourselves as it relates to God and others. I mean, sometimes we may think that we're better than somebody else because of a car that we drive or a place that we live or some letters that we have before our name. But what makes us special is in our position, people. It's not the amount of money that you have in your 401k, but it's what our Heavenly Father has to say about each and every one of us, that we are special because we're created in His image. Our Heavenly Father loves us. And what humility does, it allows us to look at people instead of down on people. That's what it does. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And Paul said it's an identifying mark of a Christ follower. So we've got tenderhearted mercy, compassion, kindness, and humility also right down there, gentleness. And I don't know what you think about when you think about the word gentleness. Some people think that gentleness is a sign of weakness. I, uh, I know that you know this, but I'm not really perfect. And when I was growing up, I used to have calluses on my hands. Now, after time of being a pastor, your, your hands get a little gentle. Okay, I don't know why that is. But working on the farm, my hands always, I grew up, and I, I had calluses on my hands. Even as a little kid, I had calluses on my hands. That's, I think it's all those leaves my mother made me rake when I was growing up. And, and I hope you're listening, Mom, and how terrible of a mother you were because of that. But anyway, I had calluses on my hands, and, and I, I was not a perfect child, as, as some of you may think, but they used, to, they used to make me turn my hands over, and they would hit me with a ruler. We got spankings on the, 
on the fanny, and then we got, we got hit with these rulers on our hands, and my hands had calluses, so they really didn't bother me. So that's when they started turning our hands over and hitting them with the side. Well, that hurt a little bit, but I'm still here, and I'm okay. But when I think about calloused hands, I think about the same hands that would till the ground being the same calloused hands that would wipe the tear of a baby's eye. That's what I think about. That I will adjust my strength, that I will approach my adjust my approach and my strength accordingly because I love you. I want to be gentle. It's an identifying mark of a Christ follower. The word patience. Patience is that decision to step back and not rush ahead, that I will be patient even in those times that I feel that my rights have been violated, that I'm going to give some space. In those moments in time when I feel like I've been wrong or taken advantage of, when that car stops and pulls out in front of you, you know what I'm saying? I will be patient. When I'm treated unfairly, I'm going to choose to step back and not rush ahead. I heard a statement this past week that was pretty powerful, and I thought, man, I, gotta, I need to be reminded of that. And the statement was this, patience is practice of trusting. Patience is the practice of trusting that I don't have to rush in and take control, but I can trust that my Heavenly Father has got it under control. And Paul said it's this type of living that sets us apart. Alex, you know, Paul said it's this type of living that lets the world know whose you are. And then he goes on to say in verse 13, make allowance for each other. Do you know what make allowance? Create some space. That's what it is. Create some space. Sometimes you, you may wonder why you're in so many conflicts with people. It's because there's no space in your life. You've not created any space. There's a there's a, there's a difference between what you think where things should be and where things really are in there. There's space, and you've got to decide what you're going to put there. And here Paul says, make some allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And then he goes on to say, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And he t- always takes us back to the words of Jesus. You know, when you're speaking into people's lives and you're talking to people, you're instructing people, what advice do you give? Do you give your own advice based on your feelings or do you take them back to God's word? And Paul's saying, listen, I'm only telling you what God had to say. I'm taking and summarizing it all. He talked about loving one another. I'm telling you what it looks like. See, there was the first part of Colossians that talks, us about, talks to us about all the things that Jesus did in verses in chapters 1 and 2. In 3 and 4, what Paul did is he summarized what it looked like to live, understanding that of all the things that Jesus did and, he, and how, he, how he loved us. So he talks about being tenderhearted, being kind, being, being humble and patient, what it looks like to be forgiving of others just as Christ had forgiven us. And then look at what he says in verse 14. Above all, above all, clothe yourselves with what? Love. So here are all these other things, but guys, to to bring it down to the point, clothe yourself in love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. You know, there's not a lot of harmony in our world, isn't it? Is there? I wonder if it's because there's not enough love. Paul says this because it's love is a big deal. It's the glue that holds it all together. It's the umbrella. Love is at the center. And Paul gives us these marks. He gives us these these qualities that are a reflection of what it looks like to be a Christ follower, to be in Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, 
And since we are God's children, we should put on that tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, forgiveness and love. And I, and I don't know about you, but I, some of you may read this and you go, well, that's, that's pretty hard, you know. Some of you may go, well, that's pretty easy. I don't think it is. I think the only way this would be easy if you were on an island all by yourself and there wasn't anybody else except you. I mean, when this becomes difficult is when there's other people that are involved in your life. And all of a sudden, it's not just you, but there's somebody else. And in the midst of that, you've got to figure out how you're going to respond. I mean, you're all right living by yourself, but all of a sudden get married, and now you've got to figure out how you're going to live. What are you going to do when she doesn't want to do what you want to do or he doesn't do what you want to do? You know, what are you going to do in those times? There's a little bit of a conflict. But it's important that we don't blow off or overlook what Paul said because what Paul had to say was a big deal. I mean, this wasn't a guy that just wasn't a religious guy, but he was a Christ follower. He had a personal encounter with Jesus himself. And as a result of that encounter, his life was changed. This is the guy that wanted to persecute, arrest, and kill the believers. And now here he was, one of them. And it wasn't just good stuff that he was talking about, but it was God's stuff. And here we are 2,000 years still talking about it. I mean, this is a guy that wrote 13, 13 of the 21 letters that we find in the New Testament. This is the guy that was beaten and imprisoned. This is the guy that, whose, whose faith was tried time and time again. This is the guy that was shipwrecked multiple times, that was betrayed. He was abandoned. This is the guy that didn't seek attention or popularity. But what he wanted people to know is he wanted people to know Jesus. It was important for him to live and to carry himself in such a way that it opened up those doors. Paul didn't live his life because of what he thought to be true, but he lived his life based on what he knew to be true. You know, I look over this list and it would be overwhelming to, to maybe even think, well, Pastor, there's this, I mean, patience. I mean, come on, don't you know who I am? Gentleness, that's hard. Humility, yeah. But it's not like this. It's, on, it's one and done. It's over with. This is a daily struggle that, that we have. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's one step at a time. You know, it's that thing that we learned last week. Yes is the precursor to the extraordinary. And every day you've got to get up thinking about this. How do I make Jesus more known to those around me? Every day I've got to get up thinking about the words of Paul, what Jesus had to say about loving one another, and then carrying that into my mind and what Paul had to say in the list that he gave us. Because I want to say yes, because I want that to be a precursor to me, not only living as Jesus would live and want me to live, but experiencing the blessing and the, and the opportunities as a result of saying yes. You know, my prayers we finish up today is that we would realize that these words that Paul spoke that he wrote to the church at Colossae isn't, wasn't just for them, but it's for us today. And then we just wouldn't leave walking out of here today with a list that just sticks up here in our minds, but it would radiate down and sink down into the depths of our hearts. Because I don't know about you, but I want my life to be a reflection of Christ. That's what I want to be. I want my life to be a reflection of Christ. And so with that being said, there's something that we want to give you today as you, as you leave. I got tickled at Sherry. We've, we've discovered that Sherry has a posse. I don't know if you know that or not. 
But, but Sherry Polk has a posse. She has a, she's got some groupies. And those groupies, they've got some cards that when you're leaving today, we want to give you a card. And on that card is a reminder of all these things that Paul said that reminds us of, of what it looks like to be marked as a, as a disciple, as a Christ follower. And there are these, these things that Paul mentioned today that we talked about. And as you get up in the morning, I mean, it's something you can put in your car. It's something you can put in your Bible. It's something that you can put in your wallet and carry around with you. And every time you go out and pay, you know, you have to get something out of your wallet. It's there to remind you. It's something that you can put on your desk by your bed. So in the morning when you wake up, you've got that card. It could be that thing that you put on your mirror in the bathroom that reminds you as you're brushing your teeth. I hope you brush your teeth. Putting on your makeup. I don't put any makeup on. I probably need to put some makeup on. But in the morning when you're getting ready, it's just a reminder, this is who I am in Jesus because sometimes I think we forget that as Christ followers. I pray maybe even it's in the time in the morning when you get up and you spend time in Jesus' word before you ever head out for the day. It could be there in that place that you read it every day, this is who I am. This is who Christ calls me to be. These are marks of a Christ follower. These are things I want to live out. It reminds us to live in mercy, tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and love and all those other things. But they're a reflection of Christ. And it's not just a good idea, it's a God's idea. See, see, Jesus, when he came, he didn't come, he didn't come, Carol, to make a point. Jesus came to make a difference. And that's what we've been called to do. You know, people on the outside don't view people on the inside like they should view people, do they? Because the way they've, what they've seen over the years, as a matter of fact, people on the outside say people on the inside are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. It has to break the heart of our Father. Something's wrong, isn't it? And we wonder why we've got so many problems. And we wonder why we're struggling so much as a nation. But what if Jesus' followers were to act like Jesus' followers should act? What happens if we were to carry ourselves as Paul instructed us and Jesus instructed us to live? See, there may be people listening to my voice today that may not even be here. You may be listening to my voice and you're on the edge of what you're going to do. I mean, you're, you're thinking, but you're considering. But all you know about Christ is what you've learned from people who've not acted like Jesus. If that's you, I'm sorry. And if I've offended you or if I've wronged you, I'm, I'm sorry. Because I don't always act the way that I should act. And I know you always don't act the way that you should act, but that's what I'm striving for. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be his ambassador. But if you're struggling, man, and you're because of what you've seen or what you've heard or your experiences, I just want you to know that that's not the way it's supposed to be. But I challenge you not just to be a good church goer, but I challenge you to have a personal encounter with Christ. Because when you receive that invitation to follow Jesus, it changes you. There are a lot of people that wear the T-shirts there are a lot of people that have the routine down. Are you with me? There are a lot of people that have the right answers to the questions. They just wrestle and struggle and live out the way that Jesus instructed us to live. But my prayer is that you won't give up seeking 
to follow Jesus, regardless of what your past may be. See, Love Week should not be Love Week. Maybe you'll see a bigger picture behind it down the line. Love Week is just something that we should be doing all the time, not just one week a year. See, I'm blessed to sit on this side, and I'm blessed to be the one that hears the stories. Pastor said, can I tell you about so-and-so? Let me tell you what they did. Pastor said, can I tell you this story about, about this response and the person that goes to your church that's a part of your church family? Can I, tell you, can I tell you the difference they've made in my life? Pastor said, I get a phone call. I get a call. I get an email. I get a text. I get somebody out in the community that stops me that says, listen, man, I want to tell you how much we appreciate your church family and for how they helped us during this time. I hear that all the time. That's how we should be known. That's how the church should be known. Not for all this foolishness that the church is known for these days. We should be God's ambassadors. And the result, let me tell you, when you start, when we start living as God calls us to live, what it does is it not only is a reflection of the Father, but all of a sudden it begins to open up doors of opportunity. Because people who are hurting and people that are in need and people that are wondering and questioning and sitting on the edge, what they do is they'll look for somebody to go to to whom they can trust. That's when the church grows. Not when you build big buildings. Not when you become smarter and more intelligent. But when you live as Jesus called us to live. And so the question I have as I've had throughout this series is just a very simple question. Every one of you, whether you're here, if you're listening online, is are you following Jesus? If not, why? Those of us that are followers, we've been challenged today. You have something to take with you that will be a reminder of who we are. As a billboard, how we're supposed to live out in the world. It's a challenge. You're going to fail. You're going to make some mistakes just like I do. But that's where we're headed because that's who we are in Jesus. But for the person today that has never had that encounter with Christ, that life-altering, life-changing, DNA-changing experience, the only thing that keeps you from that is yes. Yes, I'll trust you. Because the invitation has already been expended. It's just whether or not you will receive it. Would you pray with me today? Father, I am very thankful for this church family, for the privilege that we have to serve you, the privilege that we have to read your word, the privilege that we have to, to live in community with one another. And, and God, thank you for, for Paul's words, for the words of Jesus that we, um, that we can read and know exactly how we should choose to live. I'm praying that we, these cards that we hand out at the end will be a, a reminder. I pray that they will be an encouragement. God, I pray that our church family, that every believer in this community would known, be known by our love, how we treat one another. For those that may be listening to my voice today and have never made a, a decision to trust Jesus, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that that invitation to follow Jesus is there. That because of our sin, we are sick, we're struggling. 
But Jesus went to the nth degree to make sure that we have the privilege of receiving Christ and receiving forgiveness. All we have to do is ask for it. For the person today that's at that place, even today, may be the willing and courageous enough to say, Jesus, will you forgive me? To acknowledge their sin and cry out to you. To be willing to receive that which you offer freely. Jesus, I pray that if, if there's some, someone hearing that my voice that is, that is making that decision today, that they would let us know because we would love to know so that we can communicate with them and walk alongside of them in this journey. I pray as we walk out these doors today, God, that we would be reminded that we are your ambassadors, that you have called us to live a life of love, that in living a life of love, we would be a light into this world in which we live. And I pray this for our other churches in our area. Father, I pray for our pastors as they lead our churches in this direction. God, I pray that we would saturate this community. And Father, that they would know that Jesus is alive and that there is hope. Father, I pray for the, the places that we will find ourselves this next week, that, God, that we would be your representative and others would see Jesus in us, that there would be no question about whose we are because of how we live. Thank you for this day. May we live out a legacy of faith. Father, may we find enjoyment every day in bringing hope, life, love to the world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray.